Peter 1.3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thank you so much. Awesome job, job, young woman. Awesome job. I, I love the fact that you're willing to get up here and share. Thank you. I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you. I'm confident of that. Okay, guys, we're going to turn to Second Peter. We're starting a new series in this book. It's, the whole series is called Be Ready. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, knowing and growing. And so uh, uh, we're going to dive into this pretty quick. I do want to say uh, that um, I have been out of town. I was at the Pepperdine Bible Lectures uh, out in California. And I heard that my uh, name and reputation took a hit because I wasn't here for the pie uh, thing. Uh, although I know I know personally that uh, I would have been glad to add a dollar or two to the other ones and make it where I wouldn't get one anyway. But I will give you guys an opportunity. I want you to know. I've already talked about it with Simon a little bit this morning. You'll give an opportunity. To make pies. I'm not saying you'll get an opportunity to throw them or anything. But, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. Because I love that mission trip and I love what you guys are going to be doing in Nicaragua. So that's going to be, going to be a great, great time and a great day. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. We, got any, we got any Bibles in the house? Yeah, hold it. Yeah, if you got it on your phone, that's fine. Uh, uh, if you need to cheat and look off somebody's Bible, uh, well, I guess that really wouldn't be cheating to look on a Bible, would it? Uh, but if you need uh, assistance there, grab a Bible, get it out, and we're going to talk about this book a little bit uh, today. Uh, one of the first things I want to do is kind of give us a little bit of an overview of this book. If First Peter was written about hope, Second Peter, if there was one word, it would be knowledge. And he's going to use that word like 16 different times or something like that throughout this book, which is very short in, th- in these three chapters. So being ready is important. Or, uh, uh, now, I know probably nobody in this room would be like this, but have you ever known anyone that they, they were never ready on time? Now, I know some of you uh, husbands, if your wife's wife, I know you would not be like honking the horn or doing other things to say uh, you're not ready, right? I mean, surely you wouldn't be doing that. But uh, uh, but just to give us a little relief, it's okay to tell people we need to be ready on time, right? This the whole book is about being ready because the day's coming and you need to be ready because you don't want to be late for this one, I promise you. So in this book, Peter tells the church how to be ready and how to prepare for the things that they face. Now, uh, one of the things that they're going to be facing is they're going to be facing some false teachers who lead people astray. Uh, and this letter comes from a guy who understands teaching, but it also comes from a guy who's, who's writing some of his last words. Because, matter of fact, it's in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, 
in verse uh, verse 13, he says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know I will soon put it aside. Peter knew his death was coming. He knew he didn't have much longer on this old, in this old world to be here. And so these are kind of final words from a dying man to a group of people that he loves. And he wants to make sure they're ready and they're prepared and that they're not going to be thrown off course by false teaching or, 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 or by, not only by bad theology or, or by bad morality, uh, morality, immorality that's going to, uh, uh, going to describe these false teachers. So he's going to give them some warnings. He knows he doesn't have much time. He wants to protect and grow the people he loves. So he warns them against false teachers and he warns them against moral compromise. Now, who are the most vulnerable in a church? You think about this church he's writing to several groups of folks. Who do you think is the most vulnerable and susceptible to false teachers? Well, those that are immature, people who are weak, people who are unconfident. They're not, they don't have a confidence in where they are with the Lord. Uh, those that are weak in Scripture, those that are weak in strength, those that are weak in peace, those that are weak in assurance, they're not quite really uh, uh, feel like God, they're where God wants them to be. So false teachers take advantage of people when they're vulnerable. And so Peter is saying, I don't want you to be vulnerable, so I'm going to give you some things that, that, to know and some ways to grow. Now, what's going to guard and protect them and us. Well, this whole letter is written for that purpose. He's going to say in Second Peter one one through eleven, you need to know you're saved. You need to be have some assurance. Make sure you're calling. You need to know where you are with God. In verses twelve through twenty one, he's going to say, know your Bible. In uh, 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 chapter two, he's going to say, know your enemy. He's going to give you a way to recognize who they are. And then in chapter three, he's going to say, know your future. And your future is going to be set solid by growing, he says, in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus because that day is approaching. That's what the three chapters are about. We're going to know and grow so that we're not vulnerable to false teaching and led astray because there's a great day coming and we want to be on the right side of that day. We want to be ready. Everybody say ready. 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 We want to be ready for that day. So let's dive into the text a little bit. Second Peter chapter one, verse one through eleven. Let's look at this. Simon Peter, a great servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now the first thing he, he does is he describes himself. You know, we're we're in our context we always sign a letter at the end, but you know, back in these days they started the letter with who was writing it. Matter of fact, if I get a letter in the mail, I look to see who wrote it. I, I cheat. I look to the end of the letter and find out who sent it before I read the rest of the thing, right? right. You don't have to do that here. He tells you exactly who it is. And he uses both names, Simon and Peter. Actually, Simeon is the, the actual word here. And uh, he uses his old name and his new name. It's kind of interesting. And he says this about himself. He's a servant or a slave... And an apostle. So he, he describes uh, who he is in Christ and who controls his life. I'm a servant and I'm sent to do something by Jesus himself. 
And he says, to those who through the rich righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Now, ours, is he talking about faith of all the apostles or is he talking about faith of, of the Jewish faith? And maybe uh, I, I kind of tend he thinks about that because, remember, he's preaching to a, a lot of Gentiles as well as Jewish people. And he wants everybody to understand, your faith is just as precious as mine as an apostle. There's no difference. There's not anybody closer to God than anybody else. We're all in this thing together, and it's all only because of God's righteousness and and faith in what He's done for us through the gospel that we're all right here in equal standing. Remember what uh, remember what Paul said in Colossians? There's no difference. It doesn't matter if you're the master or the slave, if you're a man or you're a woman. All those things, faith is and, and, and value is all because of who Jesus is. And we are one there. Now he says, This grace and peace be yours in abundance. Who wouldn't want that? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. If you want to lose peace, just stay immature in your faith over a long period of time and Satan will attack you and you not only you will doubt your grace and you will lose your peace. Now he says this. This next section he really talks about the that was really about the reality of salvation. This is about salvation's riches, verse 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our, here's the key word, knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious uh, promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is the riches that God provides. This is what God does. We're going to get to what we do in just a minute. But in terms of our salvation, this is what God does. He provides all we need. And He makes us participate because He provides that in the very divine nature. We have the Holy Spirit of God living inside us. But we know we can't make it on our own, right? And He says two things happen in this riches of salvation that you get and I get. By faith in Jesus Christ. The positive thing, we participate in His divine nature. The other thing is, we escape the corruption of the world. The great escape. Can you imagine? There's an old, old uh, movie. called The Great Escape. And it's a story of men who were in a camp during World War II and the punishment and abuse that they take and their plan to escape and get out of there. The Great Escape. The Great Escape from the corruption of the world is the greatest rescue. Because of Jesus Christ. You and I were in bondage 
to sin, to Satan, and to the world. And only because of God's righteousness and the giving of Jesus Christ can we escape those things. Do you have anything in your past you'd like to get away from? Man, I like to, I want to escape that. Matter of fact, I don't even want to talk about it. I want to get so far away from that. I want to break that bear and get gone, right? right? Escape. Escape. Don't bring that stuff along with you that you escape from, by the way. Don't carry the shame, the guilt, uh, all those things Satan would love for you to drag along with you. Don't do that. Let it go. You've escaped the corruption of the world and you're participating in something divine now. This is his riches. So we have everything we need to live godly. You know what? We don't need any more ink written. We've got what we need. We don't any we don't need any more insights to great philosophies of life. We've got what we need to live godly. So when someone comes along and tells you, well, you really don't understand, I have some special insight and ideas that I can share with you and really open up to you the riches. Hey, don't you believe it? You stay with the gospel. You stay with this right here. Everything we need to live godly, we have. We don't need anything else. And it's all in the riches of God's provision. Then he says this, verses 5 through 8. This is salvation's responsibility. For this very reason, make every effort. Now, I don't know about you, but I have to stop right here at this make every effort. Actually, he uses this phrase three times in this book of three chapters, make every effort. He's going to use it at the very end of the book when he wraps things up too about make every effort to be blameless and spotless, ready for his coming. Make every effort. Uh, I hate to admit it, but there are times that I'm a little lazy. What do you mean? Who said yeah? Oh, okay, about you, about you, okay. Come on, man, I'm getting called out right here. I'm trying to repent, sister. Right? I really am. I'm a little lazy. I, I might make an effort, but I don't make every effort. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, Susan and I work totally different. She's a perfectionist. And so, like, when she paints at the house or whatever, I mean, she makes every effort I mean, it looks like... Prof- Matter of fact, one time we had a guy come in that was a professional, painted our... Uh, I said, let's let me hire this guy, do some other stuff. Well, he can paint that bathroom while he's there. He paints it, and she goes in and finds his mistakes and repaints it. I'm like, does this mean i got to pay you too? Because I've already spent money on this guy. But she's great at it. She makes every effort. Now, when I paint... I'm just like, you know, you know those uh, little plates that go over the plugs? I figure if you just roll over them, they'll just match the wall. 
She don't believe it. Matter of fact, I, I am banned from painting at my house. Now, I'm not banned from cleaning up, but I'm banned from painting. I, I hate it. I just want to get it done. And I don't make every effort like I really need to. Here he says, when it comes to our growth in Christ, there's some effort. Now, effort doesn't mean earn. We make effort in our holiness and in our salvation. It doesn't mean we earn it. It's all by God's grace to begin with, right? But out of that faith, there's going to be some efforts to be made in our life. Look what he says. Make every effort to add or supply. The word actually means supply to your faith. And then he lists these things that we are to add to our faith. The first one he says to add to our faith is virtue. Some of your versions may say goodness. And the idea behind this word virtue means, because goodness doesn't really describe it really in depth, because it's courage to do the right thing. Because of the goodness of your heart, you have the courage to do the right thing whether anybody else does it or not. It's that kind of deep down goodness. And then to add to that goodness, knowledge. Now this knowledge is the same word already used, and it's the idea of discernment with intimacy and intellect. So it does deal with information, but it deals with much more than information. Matter of fact, the reason you're going to, you and I are going to need this knowledge is because we have to be able to discern when we're attacked by the evil one and make good decisions about that. So we need to add to our faith this deep down courage to do the right thing and the ability to discern what that is as we're walking in life. And then you add to that knowledge self-control. And that this word comes from two Greek words, enkratos, and it means one who holds himself in. It comes out of this knowledge and it equips us to identify what is evil out of knowledge and discernment and to avoid doing it by holding ourselves in. Self-control. Well, we could stop and talk a whole sermon on self-control, couldn't we? Are there some things you just have a hard time with self-control? Like ice cream? Popcorn. I just eat it till it's gone. I mean, there's no self-control. It's just, I mean, I'm like, okay, don't buy any more of that. Sometimes it's hard to hold ourselves in, to have that discipline. But if we're going to be able to have strength enough to fight off the attacks that are coming, we got to have this. And out of self-control, he says, perseverance. This is patience with endurance. And positive resistance. Then he says you add to that godliness. Literally humble reverence and piety toward God. This is one I think we misunderstand sometimes. What it really means to be godly. To be God-like. To acknowledge His holiness and stand in awe of it. To be reverent. Reverence is not about the noise in the room. 
It's about the silence of the heart. Acknowledging a holy God. And that acknowledgement of who he is moves my heart in such a deep way that I walk in a different way than I walked before. Godliness. And then he says you add to that this thing called brotherly kindness. comes from that word Philadelphia. City of brotherly love, right? Treat people in a kind way. Just do something kind for someone else. And then he says, of course, all these things move us and supply us with strength as we end up bundled up in this one thing called love. Paul says it's the greatest thing of all. Matter of fact, it's the greatest commandment, right? Love God and love other folks. And around here as a church, we like to say we love everybody. Everybody's welcome into this love of God. Now, as we grow, we're responsible for this growth. We have to do this. We have to make every effort. There's something happening on our part. God did His part, right? He saved us by grace. He's making us uh, to escape the corruption of the world. Now, He says, as His children, we have a responsibility to make effort in our own behalf because we have His Holy Spirit inside of us and He's given us everything for godliness, then we can grow. It's a progression thing. We grow. So we know and we grow so that we're not knocked off course by false teachers and the evil that exists. Let me mention this one thing about false teachers. False teachers in this context, most contexts in the Bible... False teachers are not people who just misunderstand the Word of God, got something wrong. We all, unless you claim to know the whole Bible and understand everything in it, you and I both hold some things that aren't true probably, right? Because we don't know it all. There are things we're still learning. A false teacher is not one who who misunderstands something. It's one who misleads someone. I'm not a false teacher, even if I teach something wrong. I'm not a very good teacher. But I'm not, it's not the same context. I'm, I might misunderstand something. But I'm not, I don't have a heart to mislead anybody. That's the false teachers here. They want to mislead these people. They want to mislead. Look, this exists today. It exists in the religious world. It exists in the philosophies of this world. In the psychology of this world. People desire to move you away from the gospel. To mislead you. And Peter said, look, they're coming right in among your church. Right in among your... So you're going to have to be prepared for this. You're going to have to be ready for this. That's why it's so important to add things to your faith to grow. Note what he says. For if you possess these qualities... Look here. In an increasing measure, they're growing. Got it? They're going to do something for you. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your, here's our word again, knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So if you're not growing, if these things don't exist in your life, then you're going to be ineffective. You're going to be an easy target for the evil one. But if anyone does not have them, if you do not have these qualities, if I do not have them, all right, look, let's look and see what happens. He's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. This idea of nearsighted was the idea, actually, the two words are actually opposite uh, uh, in the original. It's blind and then nearsighted. That, that you're, he's blinking so much because he can't see and understand right here. He can only see something real close. He's nearsighted. He's blinking so much trying to see out here, but he can't see and he's blind. He loses his vision for where he needs to be. And when you lose that, he said that something else accompanies that. Not only do you lose your ability to see, but you lose your ability to remember. You've forgotten what it's like to have been cleansed from your past sins. I don't ever want to forget. I'll never forget that Saturday that a group of us got in vehicles and went to Memphis and the college I was at we were playing Arkansas State was playing University of Memphis we beat them in football that year had the longest winning streak in the nation and everybody went to the bars and partied now, I'd already been being studied with by Gary Stevens and his son and some other guys. And, 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 and I knew the truth, but it really hadn't turned my life, you know. And so, uh, uh, and by the way, I never quit going to church. Somebody said, well, you can't keep going to church and live that way. Oh, yeah, you can. I did. Sure you can. Somebody in here is probably doing it right now, if we're honest, right? And that night when we're driving back in that car and I know everybody in that car is drunk and I'm in the back seat and I'm praying, God, if you'll just keep, keep me alive tonight, I'm turning it all over to you. Anybody ever made any promises to God when you're in a mess? I said, God, please. I... Because I knew if I died, I would go to hell. And by the way, we need a little reminder about hell. You're going to get it later on in this book. The reality of it. I'm grateful somebody taught me that I would go to hell for my sinfulness. I'm grateful for that. Because it did put the fear of God in me. I needed that. Fear is not a bad motive. It's an immature motive. It won't keep you going and growing. But we need to... We need that. We got home about 4.30 or 5 in the morning. I went into my apartment. All my roommates were out. I didn't go to bed. I, I took a shower. I cleaned up. I got my Bible. And I got in my car. And I drove down to the parking lot of the church. And I was the only car in the parking lot. 
I just held my Bible and prayed till people started showing up. Then I sat down with one of the guys that had been studying with me, Ron Ghoston, and I sat down with Gary Stevenson, and I started going through this. And then, and that night, that Sunday night, I was baptized into Christ. I will not forget. God, praise God for that. Yes. I don't ever want to forget what it was like to have been cleansed from my past sins. Do you remember yours? Do you remember your conversion? Remember that day? And man, I'll tell you what, I went home that night and I could lay my head on my pillow totally confident of of what God had done for me. And I'll tell you what, that Sunday night was a whole lot more peaceful than the Saturday night before. How many of you need a Sunday night in your life because your Saturday night wasn't peaceful? You need a Sunday night filled with grace because your Saturday night was filled with sin. Don't forget what it was like to have been cleansed. Then look what he says here. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. What a promise. If you'll grow and stay here in righteousness of God, you won't fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's when, that's when Jesus is going to say what we say to people who walk in our doors. When we walk in his door, Jesus will say, welcome home. Wow. What a day that will be. So how do you do this? How do you make every effort to add to your faith? How do you grow? I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know what was going on uh, and what they did particularly in those days of the church to... To, to study, to make sure people got nourished, to protect them. But in our church, we have a lot of ministries that you can be involved in to help you grow. Let's throw that uh, ministry slide up there, guys. Good job. Look here. These are all different ministries that you can uh, 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 that you can sign up. Even got the what do you call that code? QR, QR code. I started to call it a CR code, but that's a whole other ministry, right? That's part. That's part. Uh, but we got a QR code. You can, you can. There's all kinds of ways to get involved. There's small groups. There's Bible studies. There's, there's uh, Wednesday peak of the week. There's small groups of uh, step studies going on. There's all kinds of ministries. The greeters, the folks that work in the sound. There are all kinds of ways to get involved in this ministry. You can add to your faith. And you can be nourished, whether it's through men's groups, women's groups, kids' ministry. There's so many ways. We want to create opportunities for us to add to our faith. One of those opportunities coming up is a thing called Rooted. We've done Rooted before, back, back before COVID. And Rooted, and by the way, you can take your, take your phones out. I, I give you permission. Everybody take your phone out if you want to. And sign up for Rooted. There's a, by, uh, by the end of service, it'll probably be filled. I think there's only 30, 35 or 40 spots this time. We'll run it again. Don't worry if you miss out. 
that it's one of the best group things to, to, to be a part of not individuals' lives, but also to get nourished by the Word of God and to reaffirm the foundational things in our heart and our life. Uh, David and Josh can tell you more about Rooted. Sign up. I think it's just this Sunday, next Sunday to sign up. I think it starts in June. So you need to be ready for that. Adding to our faith. Opportunity is here for our church. If you're sitting around feeling useless and I don't fit in and I don't, I don't know what to do about it, I don't know what else to tell you with all these avenues and opportunities. Don't let Satan feed you a lie. I don't fit in. Look, when you were saved, God said, I'm fitting you in. Believe God, not the evil one. If we could just learn to believe what God says about us over what the evil one says about us or what we say about ourselves. My problem is I talk to myself too much. Anybody else have that problem? It's not even really good conversation. And if I'm not careful, if I have a wrong idea or a wrong narrative, and if I tell myself a lie long enough, I'll believe it. Well, they can't use me. I don't have any talent. I don't have any purpose. And those people won't like me being around anyway. And all. If, I, if I feed myself lies and then act on them, that's insanity. How about look at what God says about you? You have everything you need for life and godliness. You have opportunity to add to your faith. It's going to make your, it's going to make your salvation assured and confident. And, you're, and you can appreciate the forgiveness of your sins. And you can be ready for the attacks from the evil one. He starts this book and he ends this book about how to guard and how to grow. I'm going to flip over to chapter 3 and read verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, there's our word again. Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. By the way, you can fall from your secure position. But instead of that, but grow in the grace and knowledge. I love that. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forevermore. How? Be godly with grace. Be guarded by grace. Be grounded in grace and be grateful for grace. All through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be guarded, be grounded, be godly, and be grateful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the peace and grace that we have in abundance, as Peter said, because of what you've done for us. Father, I pray for anyone in, in the sound of my voice that's burdened. I want, Father, them to be unburdened, that they will lay their burdens at the foot of the cross. I pray, Father, that you would strengthen us and help us to make every effort to grow. Forgive us when we haven't. Bless us, Father, as we study your word and allow it to move and nourish us.
Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that, that lives inside of us. Help us to be conscious of Him and producing what He desires in our life. Thank you for the Bible, this Word that nourishes our lives and guides us. Keep the evil one away. Keep evil men away. That we may anticipate the great day that you come again and that we look for it full of joy and excitement. Between now and then, help us to reach as many people for Jesus as we possibly can. We pray this, Father, with the help of the Spirit and with united hearts and voices. In the name of Jesus and the church said, don't you walk away from here burdened now's the time you can take care of that